Hello and welcome to American Roadrunner Podcast. My name is Brian. Yep, and I'm Bob. Glad y'all could join us here today on this, the American Roadrunner Podcast, episode number 01. Here we share stories from the road on our two-wheeled motorcycle machines, tales of spills, thrills, and chills, all the good, bad, and ugly stories from the open road. Yep, as I mentioned, I am your host, Bob Marshall, fellow wrencher, writer, racer, and author of the book entitled American Roadrunner. And I'm Brian. You can contact us by emailing us at AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram, American Roadrunner, all one word. Also on Facebook, American Roadrunner the Book. And, of course, the website and blog, AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com. We also are available on the podcast, AmericanRoadRunnerPodcast.com. And coming soon, we will have a Patreon. So if your money is burning a hole in your pocket and you want to contribute to something really good, really cool, uh, send it to us. And we're going to find some really cool things to give you, the listening audience, gifts. Uh, we'll incorporate that in. It'll be fun. Uh, give us yeah. your... Give us your advice on what you would like us to do uh, for your money. Dance monkey, whatever. Not that you can see that, but, you know, it'd be fun to think about. You know, uh, just you just hear, like, tap like dancing. radio days. Maybe, like, a little symbol and just say, okay, Bob is dancing like a monkey and he's got a little symbol. Ching, That's ching, great. ching, ching. Yeah. Back to reality. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. You're welcome. All right. Today, we'll be interviewing you, Bob. Good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, figure we're going to be doing some interviews on the podcast here and there, uh, kind of set a precedent by interviewing Bob, the author of this awesome book, American Roadrunner, now out. Now out. Find it on ebook. Got it on a few formats right now. Currently Amazon, but we're going to soon have it on all the other formats. Also, the uh, paperback itself will be available. Just a quick description about the book. It uh, takes place of me doing a chopper race over about two and a half days, uh, racing cross country, west coast to east coast on a home-built scoot I was able to put together. Uh, got a few good rules and regulations regarding this race called the Stampede, which uh, we'll get to as the podcast goes on. But the book itself, entitled American Roadrunner by Bob Marshall, that's me. And the book description will simply read, Man, Motorcycle, Road. A true story of adventure traveling 3,000 miles across America in an illegal chopper motorcycle road race, the Stampede. Competitors all run nonstop while one pushes his rebuilt machine and aging body just to survive. Family, friends, and multiple women cloud his mind, but all the questions will be answered if he can finish this race. American Roadrunner. Yes, the book is out today, and um, before it comes out, we're, we're holding the proof right now. In hand, we have copies. Very excited. Big bold, it says, not for resale, which is kind of funny because when this book does take off, these are the copies that are going to go for a ton of money at Sotheby's. You got to say Sotheby's like that, Sotheby's. Well, that's hilarious because we were just marking the shit out of these damn things, That's what trying make, to get them all right. That's what makes it worth more money. All the marks in your own writing, that's, that's you know, little author marks. But it isn't my writing, it's your writing. <sighs> well, you ruined it now. <laughs> you just brought the value. I the ruined book. the value. It just became toilet paper again because it's my handwriting and not yours. Wow, what a compliment. Someone using my book as toilet paper? How exciting. <laughs> this book's so shitty. <laughs> uh, 
No, but seriously, have you seen that, like, some people have the handwritten, like, lyrics to certain songs? Oh, yeah. Like, like Kurt Cobain's, like, handwritten lyrics and and some of his notebooks go for a ton of money. It'd be cool to just look at, but... Yeah, I appreciate the compliment, but I'm not Kurt Cobain. Dirt down the drain, more like it. Wow, that was... Dark. I'm just kidding. I'm not I'm not a Nirvana fan. So. Hey, you know what? I think it was yeah, Kurt Cobain. Be. Kurt Cobain once said, Kill your idols. And he was my idol when I was a kid. So nice. okay. Hey, I, I character assassination is about the closest I'm gonna get to killing my idol because he's already dead, damn it. Alright, so where are you from originally that is? I'm from Riverside, California. I haven't moved very far. I actually live across the street from the house my dad owned when I was born. Many years ago when this house came up for sale from my family, I just went ahead and purchased it. And so, no, I haven't moved very far. I did spend a short stint once my parents got divorced back in the day in Corona, California, um, to go to high school and whatnot. But other than that, yeah, it's always been Riverside. Great, great. So I really like to say that even though I haven't moved very far, I've gotten to go pretty darn far. So you've done a lot of traveling. Yeah, just a little bit. Tell us about that. Well, I got to tell you, every so often, I think naturally as human beings, we want to get out and expand our horizons. And back when I was in high school, expanding my horizons meant jumping behind the wheel of my big white Cadillac convertible, 1966, and heading anywhere I could afford to go. Unfortunately, that wasn't very far because I was in high school and that thing ate up a lot of gas. But... As I got older, I realized motorcycles were a lot faster and convenient. And uh, I rode a bit in college, had a little motorcycle my best friend's dad gave me, and I had to hop that around town. But it took me a long time to learn that it was okay to just gear up and hit the road. And it wasn't until I was probably in my mid-20s, my dad picked up a motorcycle, and and he... uh, was like, this is a lot of fun. You really should do this. So he got me a motorcycle, and then he sold me that motorcycle, and then he got his big road cruiser that he owned till the day he passed. Um, so you end up uh, learning how to travel on motorcycles. And I think a lot of people, maybe they own a motorcycle or two. Unfortunately, I own more than 20 these days in my racing ventures and everything else. But I'll tell you what, if you want to get out and see America, enjoy the open road the motorcycle is the way to go because i can travel farther and faster than most people can in their automobiles i can camp anywhere i want stop anywhere i want go anywhere i want most of the time i'm going pretty well uh which is what got me into racing uh the stampede the cross-country illegal road racing chopper racing that i enjoy doing so much um with Anything that I do, I tend to be a bit ecstatic about it and almost an addictive personality, I think they call it. So it's it, it's a lot of fun jumping hard into motorcycle riding and racing and getting it going from there. So you literally eat, breathe, and sleep motorcycles. Well, no. No, I got to work for a living. I work as a mechanic. You know, I have a normal job. I'm a pretty average person. have a house. I just have 20... Plus scoots hanging out in the backyard. I do own automobiles. Well, I own trucks. I got a F-150 and an excursion. I use mostly for my land speed racing and all sorts of flat track racing and stuff like that that I do. But other than that, yeah, it's on two wheels. I ride every day to work. I ride. It's very easy just to jump on a motorcycle in the morning and feel the cool air in my face and wake me up. It's better than a cup of coffee. 
And it's really great to ride home after a day of wrenching on stuff and just jump on a motorcycle and enjoy the little bit of breeze I get coming home. So I'm a big fan of riding. How do you eat on the road? I mean, is it restaurants? Ah, yes. The topic of the day. Yes. How does one eat while they're traveling fast? Well, I think there's two answers. Number one, I'm a bit overweight and a bit of a larger man than most men who are six foot two, but so I can really, I can live for weeks off this stuff without it being a big issue. But um, I still enjoy eating a few things. Um, I think the problem with motorcycles, as I've stated a lot, is that we weren't born coming home from the hospital on motorcycles. We came home in cars. So we're used to having a little bit of food in the car or eating while we're driving or drinking while we're driving. Well, I just do all that on a motorcycle. There's no reason not to. Um, I suspect a lot of it comes from me being left-handed on a motorcycle. You're always uh, enjoying the right hand on the grip uh, to throttle it. And even that's negotiable because I have a few uh, very crude cruise controls on some of my motorcycles. But for the most part, the answer is I've got a coffee cup holder and an ashtray and a cigarette lighter. And I've got a tank bag that food will fit into. Um, For me personally, uh, I'll do uh, beef jerky uh, that I can pick up at a convenience store. Uh, teriyaki's good. Original's good. I really don't like the spicy stuff. It gets my uh, heartburn up on the open road. That could be a bad thing. But I really enjoy uh, the beef jerky. And I'll probably eat two of those in a day. And then I'll find some fruit. Uh, convenience stores are always selling apples and banana peels. And those are real good because I just... I end up kind of just finding some blank spot on the road when I'm in the middle of nowhere and toss the remains out that way. I'm sure there's a law against it, but it's okay. It's just uh, apple core or banana peel. I don't see the big deal. Let it return to nature. Um, and then, unfortunately, every so often, I end up picking some of picking up some of those cool donuts you get at the convenience store, and those are really bad. But I've learned every time I stop, uh, if I'm on my cop chop, number 27, and I'm hauling ass cross-country. Uh, get to, I've got an extra fuel tank on that thing, so I can go about 220, 250 miles, depending on how I'm running before I have to stop. So that means every three or four hours I'll stop, use the bathroom, refill my coffee cup, pick up some water if I need to, um, get, uh, you know, whether it's donuts or beef jerky, or get nothing. Sometimes the lines are really long, and I just prefer not to deal with deal with it inside the convenience store because I'm very interested in making that eight minute stop the closer I can get to eight minutes on the stop the better some guys do it in five minutes I know when they're racing uh, they'll stop they don't need to drink they don't need to eat they pee on the pump and they put fuel in their motorcycle and off they go Uh, I've never pissed on a pump myself but I reckon it can be done I have had to piss behind a gas station because they don't have a restroom or a working restroom, but that's beside the point. Um, it's okay to, uh, you know, just, just take a minute or two and jump in the convenience store, make sure you're comfortable for the next three or four hours of the road, whatever the road may be. Sometimes it's real cold. Sometimes it's real hot. So if it's real hot, obviously I need to intake just a crap ton of water. But uh, the other thing I really enjoy is I'll get a container that you know a cylinder that's usually used for water and as long as it has a wide mouth i can fill that container up with 
um, trail mix. And trail mix is really a great way just to keep your protein up. And there's fruits and dates, and it just takes forever to eat. So it gives you something to do when you're just hauling ass cross country. Um, that makes life a lot easier. I know there's even, there, there, there's this great guy who I ran into many times. Uh, his name's Timmy. I think his Instagram handle is Skidmar. Anyways, we were all hanging out in Texas a few years ago, and he remembered meeting me a year or two earlier. And uh, apparently he started referring to me as a trail mix guy. That's how he remembered me. So I took that as a great compliment. So it's okay to carry just a few snacks and make it happen. But I promise you there are a lot of people who are very happy, you know, to stop and eat and ride to eat and eat to ride. And, you know, good for them. I just usually don't take the time to do it. I think naturally, too, I, I really have some social issues with sitting in a restaurant all by myself. Even if they have a nice, you know, lunch counter. I mean, we've all done that, right? But I just don't want to uh, stop. I just prefer to keep going, so. Yeah, so um, you'll stop and eat at restaurants occasionally. Other times you'll stop at the gas station. Um, Are you more keen to just stop in the gas station, grab something, and go real quick when you're racing? Or do you, are there times when you're racing where you just say, I have to sit down and... Right. Yeah, no, that that's a really good question. Uh, no, I just prefer to keep going. Yeah. I think it comes from maybe a bit of social anxiety. When, when you're sitting in a restaurant and you're the one with the motorcycle parked out front, and my motorcycles do not look normal, you know, so people want to talk to you, which is great. The problem is, is that they're not always very good at story sharing. And I love people sharing their stories with me, but sometimes they're just talking at you and you just kind of want to sit and eat. So I just prefer to hit a convenience store then. And that's always the best, you know, if people stop and chat with me while they're at the convenience store, pumping gas, whatever, then it just turns into a one minute or three minute chat versus, you know, versus 25 minutes of what they used to ride or how they used to. And that's fine. I never mind people sharing their stories with me. It's just nice when they keep it under three minutes. <laughs> that's hard to find in a restaurant. Now, this is a question coming from the uninitiated. So you stop, you get gas, you use the restroom real quick, and then you go. Now, when you're racing and you got a full tank, like how far and how long can you go before you run out of gas? Uh, you have a moment to, you know, do it all again, get more gas, take a leak, get more food. Like how long and far do you go on a race between stops? Yeah, well, that that really is a science of it. It depends on the motorcycle that I'm on. Um, if I'm on my chop, then, yeah, it's like every 220, 250 miles, depending on the terrain or how hard I'm twisting my throttle. Yeah, it really just depends on what motorcycle I'm on. I know on my Goldwing, no matter what I do, that thing just hauls butt. And I can get uh, 150 miles on it all day long. And it does not have a reserve. It's supposed to have a reserve lat that turns on, I think. But that doesn't really work. It does have the gauge. So once the gauge goes to E, it's off. So it just depends on the motorcycle that I'm on. A lot of motorcycles, they only go 100 miles. You know, uh, They're getting 40, 50 miles to the gallon. They carry two gallons, two and a half gallons. So you get 100 miles and then you hit reserve. Maybe got another 20 miles. So it, that really is a science and where you stop and how you stop. My favorite is always if I can find a gas station that's on the right side of the road so that way I don't have to cross a highway or major intersection, uh, preferably a gas station that's higher priced. They're going to have better gas. 
I really don't care if I'm paying six or eight more cents a gallon, whatever, because uh, I only need a few gallons. And they're going to have, you know, convenience stores that aren't jam-packed with people. Um, the people really slow you down. And naturally, it's, it's wonderful that people are out on America's roads and they're looking for exciting things and they're looking to be entertained and they're stopping at the convenience stores and finding local goods and, and good for them. But I'm working real hard just trying to travel through and, and get to the next place. Sometimes I'll stop, absolutely, but usually not. Usually I'm just kind of hauling butt. And nine times out of ten, I've been there already, so I know what's there. So so it sounds like you like beef jerky and uh, you are known as the trail, oh, mix, yeah. the trail mix guy. Oh, um, yeah. So what foods do you avoid? Uh, do, have you had any bad experiences that huh. make you tell people, hey, don't eat that when you're, uh, when you're racing? Yeah, yeah, no, um... I'll tell you, I'm a little lactose intolerant, so I work real hard to avoid the cheeses and milk and stuff like that. But I know other people who grab milk every time they stop, and that's fine. I've also heard a lot of stories. It's a little ridiculous, but there's a guy who refuses to travel on a Sportster that I've met out land speed racing, coincidentally. But he's just afraid to travel because he can't pack enough stuff because he's absolutely fearful that he's going to poop his pants and need to change his pants. And that makes no sense to me. If I'm just hopping out for a weekend, three or four days, I, I don't even bring a change of pants. I mean, I've never, I don't know. I reckon, I reckon everyone's different, but I've always been real good. So then again, maybe sometimes riding a motorcycle really intimidates the rider, like newer riders. And what do they do about that? And how do they you know, it's all just something that has to be managed and it's not something we're used to managing every day because we're usually in cars, around restrooms, whatever else. But if you find a way to manage it, you know, you can. I know, I mean, I always carry baby wipes just in case. Boy, I wish I had a dollar for every time I had to pull over with my pop so he could go poop in the woods, you know. It's just, it trips me out. He just always had to go in the middle of nowhere and so you just manage it. You know, I just pull over and I'd stand on the side of the road so people looked at me and not him, and then I'd take pictures of him and really make him feel bad. It was, it was great. Have you or anybody you've known race with like a diaper or a catheter on so you don't have to make that stop? <laughs> That's funny. I'm not gonna lie. People have asked me that a lot. Um, the answer is I don't know of anybody who's ever used a catheter. No one's ever admitted to it. No one's also ever admitted to using a diaper. I think it'd make a giant mess, uh, as we've learned from NASA astronauts. It's very hard to deal with, something extra to deal with. Uh, I have heard of one guy who thought he'd just stand up and uh, flop his member over his leg and stand sideways on the scoot and let it go. Unfortunately, it made a mess, and most of it got on him and not on the road, just the way the wind hits you. So I reckon it's one of those thoughts of nature. It's just the way things work. You're going to have to stop and use a bathroom no matter what. So if you limit your intake and you make sure your intake isn't way up there, I think you'll do okay. Um, obviously, that's hard to do when it's really, really hot. Or if it's really, really cold, your body wants to be warm. But naturally, you just got to be good to yourself about it and kind of limit yourself on it. The same way uh, maybe a hiker would. They're going to know when they can eat a lot or when they can't, or they're not going to have all the food available to them. Or anybody who does anything, guys on submarines, you know, your body can go a long time without food and your body's happy to just snack a little. So if I'm just hauling butt down the road, snacking on a piece of beef jerky or some trail mix or some fruit or whatever, 
that, that's good enough for me. I don't need to eat all the time or stop and eat. So, have you ever seen anybody like drink a beer on their motorcycle? Put a oh, Coors yeah. in the cup holder? Oh yeah, no, I, and I know some of my friends or friends' old ladies. They've jumped on the back. They're like, "Do you mind if I drink?" I'm like, "Well, we're in the middle of nowhere, so really, doesn't matter." Allison, you can drink a beer all you want. You know, uh, it's it's it's. I'm I'm sure there's a law against it somewhere, but I'm not the one drinking. You know, I I really don't drink, so I'm I'm okay with Americans being Americans and whatever they're doing. All right. Well, hey, you mentioned earlier that on your motorcycle you have a cup holder and an ashtray. Dun dun dun. What's with the ashtray? I uh, there are some states. I know Arizona's the nearest one here, but if you're smoking on a motorcycle, you need to have an ashtray. So it's real easy for me just to grab a grab a bit of hockey stick tape and tie up an ashtray to it. Win-win. Win-win. That works. And now we've reached that part of the show we like to call Bob's Playlist. Bob's Playlist. I tell you, I'm a big fan of music. So I made it a point in my book to share a lot of the music that I listen to while I'm on the road. And I thought I'd start with just going through the playlist. I think eventually we should put it up on Spotify so people can find it. I like that idea. Yeah, we'll have to do that. So in a future episode, we'll give you the link or give you the name of that playlist so you can hear all the music in the book. Maybe you can listen to the music while you read the book, if you can do that. So this (laughs) is uh, by a band, Mandolin Orange, Boots of Spanish Leather, the Bob Dylan cover. Enjoy. a great benefit to this band they're just a two-piece and uh the dude singing he's on guitar the uh, female vocalist she's on her fiddle these guys just rock it's just a two-piece and they've been at it a long time um i'm always excited to show off really good music like this probably not what you'd expect for someone like me or someone who looks like me to be listening to but it's the truth i enjoy some good folk music it's pretty thanks. good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for letting me share. All right, Bob, what do you got for us now? A reading. A reading. A parody. A parody. All right. S- sometimes you just got to get clever and creative and hang it all out there and be okay with rewriting something. Usually I just kind of regurgitate nonfiction and enjoy telling the story of that. But this was really exciting. And I decided this for our episode because it's the first time I've ever ventured into anything like this. So this is a parody from The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. The Giving Tree. Shel Silverstein. That was one of my favorite writers when I was a kid, him and his poems and stuff. Did you know that he uh, got famous as a, as a cartoonist for Playboy? I believe that. Yeah. I mean, his cartoons are really cool, but yeah. He, he oh, yeah. Back. 
at some of the stuff in like the 60s and yeah that's where he made a name for himself playboy magazine so this the giving tree was something i used to read to my children unlock playboy magazine which i did not read to my children what kind of dad are you i know right? i guess you don't really read Playboy. although i remember children. sneaking into the garage and taking a look at my dad's old playboy magazines <laughs> he had like a pile of them out in front i guess he just thought i was too young to pay attention i or... think we all had a dad who had playboy magazines that yeah. was in our introduction to puberty right yeah. lots of hair growing up in the 80s yeah lots and lots of hair Bushy, bushy hair. So, The Giving Motorcycle, this is. A parody of The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. This is The Giving Motorcycle by Bob Marshall. <laughs> Once there was a motorcycle, and she loved a little boy. And every day the boy would come out to the garage, and he would pretend to ride her to faraway towns and play king of the road. He would climb up her foot pegs and swing from her handlebars and enjoy the smells of fresh new leather, rubber, gasoline, and oil, and play hide-and-go-seek. And when he was tired, he would sleep next to her, propping his feet up on her foot pegs. And the boy loved the motorcycle very much, and the motorcycle was happy. But time went by, and the boy grew older, and the motorcycle was often alone. Then one day, the boy came to the motorcycle, and the motorcycle said... Come, boy, come and climb up my foot pegs and swing from my handlebars and sit on my seat and pretend to ride to faraway towns and be happy. I am too big to climb and play. I want to buy things and have things. I want some money. I'm sorry, said the motorcycle, but I have no money. I only have rides. Take me for rides and take others for rides and you will sell my rides in the city and then you will have money and you will be happy. And so the boy swung his leg over the motorcycle and rode her away into the city, and the motorcycle was happy. Then one day, the boy came back, and the motorcycle revved with joy, and she said, Come, boy, come climb on my foot pegs and swing from my handlebars and be happy. I am too busy to climb on you, motorcycle. I want to be warm, he said. I want a wife, and I want children. Could you keep me warm? I have no warmth, she said. The road is my warmth, but you may start my engine to keep you warm, and then you will be happy. And so the boy started the engine to warm him, and the motorcycle was happy. But then the boy stayed away for a long time, and when he came back, the motorcycle was so happy she could hardly speak. Come, boy, come and play on me. I am too old and sad to play on you. I want to be far away from here. Could you give me freedoms and take me far away? Well, climb on me, boy, and give me gasoline, and ride me far away and be happy. And so the boy climbed on, gave her some gasoline, and rode her far away until she ran out of gasoline, and the boy left her parked on the side of the road under a big tree to find happiness in his new town. And the motorcycle was happy, but not really. And after a long time, the boy came back. I am sorry, boy, said the motorcycle. I have nothing left to give you. My hand grips are weathered down. Oh, my hands are too weak to grab on, said the boy. My foot pegs are gone, crumbled in the wind. You cannot climb on them. I am too old to climb on foot pegs, said the boy. My engine is seized. You cannot ride me. I am too old to ride. I am sorry, said the motorcycle. I have nothing left to give you. I'm just an old seat in a frame with some wheels now. I am sorry. I don't need very much, said the boy. Just a quiet place to sit and rest. I'm old and tired. 
Well, said the motorcycle, straightening up herself as much as she could, an old seat is a good place for sitting and resting. And the boy did, and the motorcycle was happy. The end. Sometimes you just stay awake at night thinking of things, and this is what comes out. We're going to wrap things up today. Bob, I'd like to thank you for sharing a little bit of your story, your book, and your playlist. And your parody. Always a pleasure. You share a lot. Well, it's one of the many things I enjoy. I tell you what, I set out writing this book, not really even knowing how to write. So once I got that first one down, then I learned how to write, and I wrote the book again. And then I, you know, did an edit, and then another edit, and it turned into what it is. And I got to tell you, it's pretty exciting to share my stories. And, you know, everybody has lots of stories from the road, so I'm really looking forward to the future when other people share. Uh, I always enjoy the Thursday night thing that we do the last Thursday of every month we're down here at the hideaway cafe here on main street in downtown riverside and we're uh doing the open mic bike night stories from the road come on down and share enjoy stories feel free to tell stories everybody gets five minutes if you want to take 10 that's fine we just have a really good time with it i enjoy hearing other people's stories and of course i enjoy sharing stories so thanks for letting me be here peoples yeah so again if you want to connect with us by email, American Roadrunner the book at gmail.com, Instagram, American Roadrunner, Facebook, American Roadrunner the book, and of course online, you can find us at American Roadrunner the book.com. Or American Roadrunner podcast.com. That was a lot of American Roadrunners. That's a lot of Roadrunners. That, that's a flock of Roadrunners. Yeah, pretty soon. It'd be almost like a baker's dozen. A plethora. Would you say I have a plethora of roadrunners? No. That's a lot of roadrunners. Regardless, find <laughs> us almost anywhere, including ebook format. Uh, American Roadrunners, of course, is on Amazon and a few other good ebook formats. And uh, pretty soon we're going to have paperback available. You can find us. We're going to be hitting up some shows, which is pretty exciting, locally here as well as abroad. Um, Life's going to start getting real good and interesting. It's all about sharing stories. Yeah. Now, just don't forget to subscribe and comment. Uh, give us some feedback, and uh, we would just love to hear from you. Mostly enjoy the music, opening and closing. This is my good buddy Tazamora and his band Mech, and their album, Red Sprite Lightning by Mech. This is their song, Here We Are, one of my faves. <laughs> Thank you.